Well, hey, welcome back to Message of the Week presented by Anthem Church. We're so excited that you're here with us again. If it's your first time here, why don't you go ahead and follow or subscribe on whatever platform you are listening to us on. My name is Isaac Robinson, the creative pastor here at Anthem Church and your host for today. Well, this week we continued our sermon series, The Miracles of Jesus, and we had a message from our very own executive pastor, Pastor Christian Washington, entitled More Than Enough. So let's take a listen and I'll see you at the end. This week we're going to dive into the text of Jesus feeding the 5,000. Yeah, man, it's going to be hot. It's going to be lit. I think I can still use that term. I'm still going to use it. Yes. But we're going to have a really, really good time with it. Uh, so if we could do this, we're going to dive right into the text. Um, John 6, the first chapter. Excuse me. John, the sixth chapter in the first verse. If you could turn there with me, that'd be fantastic. And if you could do a, me an extra favor... And go ahead and stand with me. God's word is so life-giving and life-producing, it makes you want to stand. Yeah. So we're just going to honor his word. So John 6 and 1, it says this. If you don't have your Bible, it's totally good. It's right here on the screen behind me. It said, after this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because he, they saw miraculous signs as he healed the sick. Then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy some bread? Can we get some bread, please, to feed all these people? He was testing Philip for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. This, this is a classic right here. Five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes, the men alone number 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, distributed it to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was full, Jesus told the disciples, now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley Loaves. I'm, I'm super duper excited about this text. I believe what God is simply trying to tell us is that he is more than enough. He is simply more than enough. Can somebody get excited with me and turn to somebody and say, God is more than enough. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much. We thank you so much for your word. Now settle us, Lord, and allow us to see in all circumstances that you are more than enough. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and take your seats. Yes, yes. Hey, so I can remember a time, I can remember when my wife and I, uh, we first start dating. This is going back a, a, just a few years ago. We just started dating. And that particular time, I had just graduated from college. Uh, I was looking to go into the educational field, and um, I chose that summer to be a summer camp counselor. 
So you know what that means, right? I had a summer camp counselor pay. I didn't have no money. But I, I, I wanted to engage in this nice, pretty young thing and get it going. So we spent a lot of time at the park. See, the park is a romantic place. Good quality time is at the park. Romantic and the, the birds are flying and the, they're chirping and it's beautiful green grass. I mean, it's a beautiful thing. But beyond the fact that the park is beautiful, what was really impactful for this young camp counselor is that it was free. Can I talk to people today? <laughs> I said it's free. The museum was free. The zoo was free. Even the blanket that I borrowed from my auntie, it was free so we could have a picnic. Somebody say free. And my, my wife, my girlfriend at the time, she was so gracious to go along with it in this freedom, right? Um, and she was so good to me. But before we got to those dates, we started off with our first date to Dave and Buster. Yeah, somewhere very fancy. I want to impress the socks off of her, right? Put my best foot forward. So I took her to Dave and Buster. Now, I had a dilemma as we walked into Dave and Buster. It was a tension. Guess what that tension was? My, my pocketbook, my wallet was saying one thing and saying stick to one budget. But when I looked over at this fly young lady, I, I had this thing that she is totally out of my league. See, she, she, I, I never seen a woman that could the sport, sport a shirt and some jeans and some stilettos the way that she did. So clearly this, this female was out of my league, but yet and still we walk up to guest services and we were about to get the game cards and everything. And with it, uh, it, it was a familiar face right there at the desk. Real cool girl. Uh, I knew her from church. Cassandra didn't know her. Uh, we started having a really cool conversation with her. And at the end of the conversation, we were about to, I'm about to pay, right? Pulling something out of my pocket. And I'm about to pay. And she was like, no, nah, no, nah, I got you. Uh, so she had a nice little card, an employee card. She's like, I've been, you know, I've been stacking this up for a long time. Please, please use it. So she gave it to us. We walk away, and Cassandra's like, um, I know you had it like that. <laughs> In the back of my mind, I was like, I didn't know it either. <laughs> so we, we go over to the first machine, and I slide that card through. And the amount of credits that was on that card, it was phenomenal. I want to say it was like hundreds of thousands of credits. I've never seen this a day in my life. Somebody say more than enough. When you get into a situation when you have a lack and then you have more than enough that comes, it's a beautiful thing. And you know that God is truly, truly there. Uh, this miracle is so wonderful. I, I'm going to fast forward it from the Dave and Buster. But this particular miracle where Jesus fed the 5,000, it was a significant miracle. Matter of fact, this is the only miracle that's mentioned in all four of the Gospels outside of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So, so with that, it, it, it's kind of crazy, y'all. Uh, it was only John that mentioned it. For the new believers that's out there, the four Gospels, that's the first four books in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, help me out, uh, uh, believer. 
Luke and John, let's see, y'all went to vacation Bible school, I see. Yes, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is right there. And what they do is give the four different perspectives of Jesus' life as he was here on earth. But it was only one person. It was only, excuse me, it was only one miracle that, that showed this particular miracle. So with that said, I believe it's a lot for us to grab onto and a lot for us to grasp. Um, and I believe in this text, it is truly speaking to the fact that God is more than enough in our lives. So the miracles in general, you guys, are symbolic of God's redemptive story. Belief in the name of Jesus was not a prerequisite for a miracle to occur. God was so gracious that he knew that certain people would walk away from the miracle and not call him savior, but he was still gracious to grant them and restore their body, to raise people from the dead. That's the loving and gracious God that we serve that, you know what, I just want to perform this miracle because with this, I know that you may not get to know me on an intimate level, but get to know me, just know of me and know bring you closer to relationship with me. The same is true for us today, that the wonders are here to make Christ known and lead people to know Christ. Miracles are still a part of our portion and our cups today. Did y'all hear that? The miracles are still on our plate today. God is still doing some crazy, ridiculous things. Revival is amongst us, and miracles serve as the coal and the fire of revival. The miracle shows us that in our lack, that God is more than enough. I'm talking about the times and the times that you're in the middle of storms, in the middle of discomfort, in the middle of pain, knowing that God is able to show up and supply more than enough. It's a beautiful thing. So we're going to look at this text and grab a few nuggets out of here just to see how God is truly more than enough. The first one that I want to highlight to you is that inconvenience is the breeding grounds for miracles. Inconvenience is the breeding grounds for miracles. The opportunity for a miracle will potentially come at the most inconvenient time in your life. Now, I know how life happens and that you got 25 different things going on at one time. You're balancing work. You're balancing kids. You're balancing schoolwork. You're balancing all these different things. And the truth of the matter is that you're actually doing it well. You got a schedule. You got an agenda, you're taking care of things, and you are laser focused at the task at hand. You have these, these things in order, but here's the thing is that sometimes we have to get outside of our schedules and allow our minds to wonder to see what God can miraculously do outside of our agenda. The book of John did not mention this really, uh, but Matthew and Mark did. Right before this miracle occurred, when uh, Jesus fed the 5,000, right before this, Jesus was actually going through some really difficult times. He had just found out that John the Baptist was beheaded. Uh, look at Matthew 14, 12. This is something that Pastor Dorothy actually brought out in the Devo that we had a couple of weeks ago, and it really lingered on to me. But Matthew 14, <clears throat> In 12, it says, later John's disciples came for his body and buried it. Then they went and told Jesus what had happened. 
As soon as Jesus heard the news, he left the boat to a remote area to be alone. Somebody say to be alone. Have you ever had those situations where you just need to be alone? You just had to collect your thoughts. You had to just get in your own space, away from people, and just be alone. But the crowds, they heard where he was headed and followed on foot from many towns. Jesus saw the huge crowd as, they, as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them. And he healed the sick. Jesus was experiencing a very difficult circumstance. This somebody that was very dear to his heart. This was the same person that had just baptized him weeks ago. This was family. This was cousin. This was somebody that, that, that he loved. So he just wanted to take a step back and just reflect, get his mind together. But in the mix of this inopportunity, his heart was filled with compassion. And his compassion sprout him out in action. See, here's the thing is that in our inconvenience, it's the breeding grounds for breakthrough for someone else and let alone ourselves. I know sometimes we get caught up in our own agendas and we get caught up in our feelings and we get caught up in our emotions. I believe that is a time for us to rest. Don't get me wrong in saying that. But I also believe there is a time for us to cut away from the business as usual, to cut away from, from me getting to the next meeting or me getting to the next destination and just be open to be inconvenienced for the miracle for somebody else. Now, here's the thing is that inconvenient times, it stretches you. It stretches you. It pushes you out of the norm. Those that are really into fitness, why do we stretch? We stretch so we can have a better mobility. We stretch so our muscles can, can take on more. We stretch to prevent injury, but, but we do it in order to increase our capacity. And I believe that inconvenience actually does that. It puts you in a place of discomfort. It puts you in a place, a, a place that you really don't want to be, but it stretches you to allow the miraculous to occur. Here's news to you is that miracles will not be performed from a stage. The miracles that we're talking about that's going to fuel the fire of revival in Hammond and the 219 area, it will not happen from a stage. It will not happen from our agendas. It will not happen from those times that we have set aside to allow God to do things. But we have to open ourselves up for the inconvenient times because that's when the miraculous will happen. Yes, I need to get to the next meeting, but I got to look over to my coworker and be moved with compassion. I got to see that there's a need and be moved with compassion. I know that you're trying to get to aisle one and aisle two and aisle 14 and Walmart, but we got to look over to someone else that's in that wheelchair and be filled with compassion. In those inconvenient moments, that's when God will do the miraculous. Hey, the next thing that we could check out. I'm going to have a really, we're going to have a really good time with this. You are the child-sized solution to an adult-sized problem. You are the child-sized solution to an adult-sized problem. I know what you've been thinking, that this problem is way outside my scope. It's, it, the magnitude of this is way too much. I can't handle it. I don't have enough space. I don't have enough people. I don't know, have enough money. I don't have enough time. But it's something when we allow ourselves to surrender that little for God to do a lot. 
You are that child-sized solution to adult-sized problem. You are that undeveloped remedy to a pandemic-sized concern. God has not told you to come up with a full plan. He didn't tell you to, to, to come up with the 100%. All he did was say, give me that 10%. He's saying to you, give me that small mustard seed of faith that you planted in that one acre, and I will make a 1,000 acres. John 6 and 8. It says, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a lad. Somebody say a lad. A little dude. A little youngster. A shorty is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. But what are they among so many? Most of the people that came to this gathering, they did not come prepared. It was close to 20,000 people. I know it speaks about 5,000, but that was just the guys that they counted. But it didn't count the women. It didn't count the children. So they're estimating there was close to 20,000 people that came to this gathering and only one little boy that had the foresight to say what I'm going to eat. <laughs> only one child that thought about it and said, what am I going to eat today? I bet you he had a good mama. I guarantee you he had a good mama. Because those, can I holler at some good mamas out here? Some good mamas are going to make sure that baby is taken care of. If not for anything else, so you don't embarrass me. It was plenty of times my mama, she sent me away, and she gave me the ham sandwich or $5. And the, the worst that she would tell me, boy, take that because you ain't going to embarrass me and people think that I don't take care of you. You ain't going to embarrass me. But, but he, he had the foresight to bring about his ham sandwich, his five loaves, and his two fish. Now, here's the thing is that those five loaves and those two fish, it wasn't just for him. What little child could eat five loaves and two small fish? But he was prepared to fill himself up and to fill at least two to three other people. He had preparation. He had a thought process. Even though it was mama, his, his mama set him up, he still was prepared for the situation. But he could have been like Andrew and been like, you know what, I, I, I had planned to, to eat this and, and share with like one or two other people, but this 20,000, I don't know. Maybe I just need to keep this to myself. He could have had the same attitude as the disciple, but he was that small one saying, no, my child-sized solution can go to adult-sized problem. It's some men that need to be fed. It's some children that need to be fed. So I'm surrendering my little because Jesus is here. <laughs> because Jesus is here. No, Jesus, he didn't multiply, and I haven't heard of him multiplying fish and bread before, but this is the same Jesus that turned water into wine. This is the same Jesus that I heard that he healed the nobleman's son just from a word from the distance. So if he did that, I know he could do this. I want to be that child-sized solution for an adult-sized problem. So going back just a little bit, uh, been on staff just a little while, and things have been, you know, it, it was good. It started back in October. Things were going well. 
we're jiving, you know, things were progressing. Anthem Church is on fire, right? I mean, it's, we, we have great people. We are really uh, 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 leading people to know Christ and to make him known. And what happened is that we started to see this big adult-sized problem. It was a big gap that we noticed, and that was in crisis marriage counseling. For some reason, the pandemic started to have some impact on marriages. Ah, and they were faced with some really, really big problems. People, they're on the brink of divorce and separation. So we started looking for some resources. Uh, I.e., I started, you know, calling up some people and seeing what's what and seeing how we could fill that gap. Pastor Dorothy was reaching out to people to see how we could fill this adult-sized issue, and we couldn't find it. So there I surrendered myself and said, you know what, I got a little time. I got a little, little experience here, but these are like adult-sized. This is the conversation I was having with God, right? I was like, Lord, I've done premarital counseling before. I've done some counseling with some couples where their issues wasn't as big as this issue. These people talking about divorce, Lord. These people talking about some issue, like some real, real big stuff. I don't think that I can do that, Lord. Um, but in the midst of that, he convicted me and said, uh, uh, when have you been ready for anything? When have you truly been prepared for everything? All I've asked you to do was to give me your little, and I'll show up. So I went on, and I surrendered to, to the call. And after, like, the first few sessions with the first couple, we saw God show up. Uh, I had the couple come in, and they, they clearly said to me, it's like, if God is not in this, if God don't show up, we headed to divorce, period. So I was like, you know what, God, you got to do something. So he did exactly what he promised that he would do. I gave him that little bit of experience. I gave him that little bit of studies. I gave him a little bit of that classwork and the coursework that I've had in counseling. And I say, Lord, have your way. And I saw God bring honor back into marriages. He redeemed those people right where they were. Laughter came back into the relationship. Trust came back into the relationship. And he he just didn't do it with one couple, but he did with it with another couple. And he did it with another couple. And he started multiplying this thing where it was so more than enough. He is truly more than enough. Here's the thing is that provision is not the requirement for obedience. But obedience is the gateway to provision. Obedience... He's not looking for you to see it and have all the answers. He's not looking for you to have all the money together. All he's asking of you is to be obedient. The word is true. If we are willing and obedient, we will see the best of the land. We will see him show up in a way that we've never seen before. If we're willing and obedient, I believe that we have some child-sized solutions to some adult-sized problems. You are that child-sized solution. You are the solution that is solutions that's right there at your fingertips to a massive problem. Stop downplaying yourself and that infant-sized idea, but start developing it. To abort that idea is 
is to abort someone's miracle. Don't you do it. Don't you kill it. But what God has placed inside of you, I'm encouraging you to walk it out just like that young boy. The little that you're prepared will bring about a powerful outcome. Just give God your all. And a nice little handkerchief. Yeah, so just give God your all and he will show up and show you that he is more than enough. Hey, the last one for you is our insignificance makes room for God to be significant. Our insignificance makes room for God to be significant. So can I speak to something that's a little bit deeper than just the finances? Uh, It's a little bit more deeper than the quantitative stuff. But this is going down to the core. It's going down to our spirits, our minds, and our hearts, and our souls. I believe that this has happened is that something has happened to strip away your purpose, to deafen your identity, and it's the mentality of thinking that you are not enough. It's the mentality of thinking that you're not enough, that you're, that you're insignificant, that you're a small fish in a big pond. There has been some people and some circumstances that have fed you the lies that you do not measure up, that, that you are not up to, up to par. You can't take on the task at camp, but can I speak to people today to say that what that lie's been feeding you, I know it's been based in something that's not your true reality, okay? Uh, 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 those that, that, that has been feeding to you is, is probably your past of mistakes and failures. Maybe you tried it before and it didn't work. Maybe you did some things and and, and you thought you were on the right path. You thought you were hearing God's voice. You were taking on this big task. And it didn't pan out. You had a failed business. You had a failed marriage. You had a failed ministry. Uh, all these things around you just mounted up to fail you at failed relationships. I didn't father the way that I was supposed to father. I didn't mother the way that I was supposed to mother. I wasn't that mentor. I wasn't that person that was supposed to be there for my mother and for my father. Maybe it's some mistakes and some issues that that you're allowed to to rob you of your purpose. To snatch that significance from you. But I want to speak to it today. Romans 5.16, I love the word of God, and I love the power of his grace and his salvation. Romans 5.16, it says, this free-flowing gift imparts to us much more, much more than what was given to us through the one that had sinned. It's so much more than your failures. For because of one transgression, we are facing a death sentence for the verdict of guilty. But this gracious gift leaves us free from our many failures. Let me check this. Did it say one failure? No, it didn't. It said many failures. Can I talk to some people out here that you not just had one failure? You didn't just have two failures, but we got some many failures. 
And matter of fact, that failure was another failure after another failure. It said that it has freed you from the power of many failures. It brings us into the perfect righteousness of God, acquitted with the words of not guilty. So if there's anything that's holding you back, if there's anything that's robbing you away from significance, if it's robbing you from your purpose, if it's robbing you from your power, just know that you have been freed. You have been freed from the power and the sting of death that was in those many failures and mistakes. You are that child-sized solution to adult-sized problem. God wants to do more than enough inside of you and through you. It's in your insignificance that we can make him significant. Here's the Bible that goes along with it. Here's the really cool thing is that the lad, let's talk about the boy for a second. See, the boy, he was insignificant. He dealt with insignificance. He wasn't accounted a part of that 5,000, remember? He wasn't significant enough to be a part of that 5,000. He wasn't significant enough to be mentioned in all four, four books of the Bible, four Gospels. John was the only one that spoke of the lad. In the other three Gospels, everybody else just bypassed him. He wasn't significant enough, even in the book of John, for his name to be mentioned. They just referred to him as the little boy, the lad, that, that little kid, that little shorty. Got you shorty. That's cool. But he did not care. He did not care about in being insignificant. He said, you ain't got to know my name. You ain't even got to know that I'm here. But in my insignificance, I'm going to give my little because Jesus is here. And I know that he will bring significance to it. In my insignificance, God will be significant. Can I speak to a selfless church? To say, I don't care about my, the, 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 the emotions that I've been dealing with in the past. God has healed me from that. And you know what? I don't care if people know my name. They don't need to know my story. They don't need to know anything about me. But only if they just know my God. Only if they just know my Savior. They ain't got to know my name. But if they know the name that's above all other names. The name that brings salvation. The name that brings refuge. The, brain, the name that brings provision. In the times of storms. Because that's the name that the people need to know. They're in a place of lack, and my heart is filled with compassion. They ain't got to know my name, but as, no, as long as they know my Jesus, I know that he will show up in a way that they will be filled with more than enough that they need. More than enough that they need. Can we do this now? <clears throat> Can I pray for those people that feel that insignificance. <clears throat> Can I speak to a people that, that may have been broken in the past? May have been hurt time after time after time. I'm going to tell you my quick story. I, I didn't even plan to do this. Uh, but I just really feel this because I was really in that place of insignificance. It was at a time in my life where I thought, you know, that, that I was quote-unquote invincible then life start coming up against me and it start robbing me of significance. I start having failure after failure, 
having an issue at the job that I was at, and, you know, some issues came up, and I, I didn't think it was my fault, but it was my fault, and, and I was suspended. And then I was trying to get some stuff going with my family, and it wasn't working out. I was trying to get some businesses going, and it wasn't working out. And at that point, I was like, Lord, did you not call me? Did you not give me this purpose? Did you not give me this burning desire? And that entire time, I didn't realize it, but it was weight that I was allowing to place on my shoulders. It was shame. It was guilt that I was allowing to just shed across my heart. But it was only until somebody spoke a word into my life. It was only until somebody spoke into my life and said, that is not your fault. You are not guilty. That is not yours to bear. Whatever robbed you of that significance, we shed it. And in that moment, it was broken. And I felt significant again. It allowed me to pick my head up. It allowed me to walk inside of my purpose. It allowed me to go into some situations where I needed faith. I didn't have it all together. I didn't have the brains. I didn't have all of that. But I, I walked by faith and not by sight. And I saw God do some miraculous things. Can I speak to a people that may, you, you've been dealing with that brokenness. All eyes closed. Because I don't want the eyes around you to deter you. Because in your, when you're in that place of insignificance, you don't want any attention to come your way. So those that are in the place of insignificance, can you just gently raise your hand? I just want to pray for you. I see 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 you, both hands up. I see you. Yes, yes, Lord, come be significant. Father, we need you right now. You see these hearts of desperation. And just like you were moved with compassion with the people when the crowd came, the crowd was hungry. They needed you. And you said that those that thirst and hunger for righteousness, they shall be filled. And you filled them up. So just like you filled them up, we pray that you fill us up. Fill us up until we want no more, Father. We need the God that's more than enough. We need the God that brought the Israelites out of Egypt. We need the God that shut the mouth of the lions when Daniel was in the lion's den. We need the God that rose Lazarus from the dead. Lord, we need that God that's more than enough to show up in a way that only that you can do. Take the scales away from our hearts. Shed the pain, shed the agony, shed the guilt. We need you, Father. Meet us right where we are. And we know that you're doing something and you shall do something. We're making ourselves insignificant right now so you can be significant in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, another call, if, if, if I could do this, those that are just new to this church thing, it's like, man, what is this God that you speak of? You know, one of the greatest miracles that God can do is not in a big crowd. It's, it's like a personal thing. And I believe that I'm looking on to a lot of walking miracles out there. Can, can anybody attest to, to the fact that Jesus is the best thing that's ever happened? He is the greatest miracle that has happened in my life. Now, if that's not quite your story, we're closing our eyes right now. And if you need to accept him as your savior, he wants to do something inside of your heart.
He wants to perform a miracle. He wants to have a great exchange. So the guilt, he wants to take that away and give you joy. The condemnation, he wants to take that away and give you righteousness and his prize. And that is salvation. If I'm talking to you, can you do this and just raise your hand gently if you need to accept him as your savior? I see you. I see the hands. Amen. 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 I see you. All right, let's do this. Can we, can we pray this prayer together? We got several people that are giving their life to Jesus. It's amazing, amazing. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you so much for these folks. We pray that you just meet them where they are, come into their lives. They announce that you are Savior and Lord. They, they cry out to you and say that you are their Father, that they are a sin. They, they are a sinner in need of a savior and you are that solution. So Lord, come into their lives, take that sin away, wash them clean and send them out rejoicing because you are with them. We thank you for the precious gift of salvation that you have rested upon their lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Let's go ahead and celebrate and give Jesus a big shout. Can we give it up to the God? That is more than enough. Woo! What a great word. Jesus is more than enough. Well, listen, we're glad that you joined us again for another episode of Message of the Week. If you have any questions about us here at Anthem Church, come on over to weareanthemchurch.com and learn more about us. Listen, before you leave, we, of course, want to leave you with a blessing. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. We'll see you next week.